huge battle going on in people's minds and in their thoughts, their walk with Christ. So easy to see people, I don't know if you've noticed this, but so easy to see people just walk away from God. Like he ain't done nothing. So easy to see people just turn and be done. There's a battle going on. And God is raising up a remnant of people to keep fighting. And he's raising them up to set a standard. Not to say that the lines are blurry over here because of just because how I feel. There's a standard. There's, God's wanting to do something incredible. We're going to get in this. Pastor Josh is going to open this. And I hope you're ready today. Because God's wanting us to be a first responder. Before I start this, does anybody just feel like you're under a knife? Anybody? Yeah. Every morning I've been waking up and I, that song is in my spirit. Uh, I want to be tried by fire, purified. I'm telling you, I get up and I sing it every morning. It's just been there. And what I feel like God has been doing in us is just laying us on the surgery table. And he's just taking the sword of his word and he's just cutting away things. You know, his word is so good. I was talking to Isaac about this the other day. I said, his word is so good. It knows how to separate soul and spirit. It knows how to separate the soulish realm from the spirit realm. And, and I believe that we are in a season where God is trying to separate our soulish side and waking us up to the spiritual side of things. And I, I, I don't know if this is for you, it's for me, uh, but I'm just telling you, there, there's something going on. This is where revival begins, is when we stop trying to run from what he's doing and we just lay down and surrender to what he's doing. And he is doing something big in the hearts of people right now. So be, before we even get start preaching this word, I, I'm just going to ask you to do something. Open yourself up. Stop being so closed off. The Spirit of God is trying to do something in your heart and in your life. And he's, and he's trying to awaken you to the reality of who you really are. You know, you're not called to struggle the way you've struggled. You're called to be an image bearer and, and to go out and live life and life more abundantly. The reason we don't live abundant life is because we've veiled ourselves and we don't lay down on the surgery table no more. You know, you come here and you're like, oh, I was on the surgery table on Sunday, but God wants you to be on the surgery table every day. That's why it's so important to open up the Word of God and let Him speak to you every morning. And let him speak to you in the afternoon and let him speak to you in the evening and let him just continuously be cutting away the things that need to be cut away. We're going to talk about a man today that was radically transformed in a moment. And for me, I, I love talking about Paul because he's one of my favorite people in the Bible. And I think it's because I relate to him. Please, please, please hear me when I say this. I am not Paul. I am Joshua, that's who I'm called to be, and not the Joshua you find in the Old Testament, it's the Joshua you find in the 2020s, right? 
So stop trying to compare yourself to people in the Bible. You were made in his image and in his likeness for a moment right now. And you need to start living that out. So I, I, that's my disclaimer. I am not Paul. I don't claim to be Paul. I just love what he went through. And it's a process that I'm going through right now. He made some powerful statements throughout the New Testament that you can tell was defined from this moment right here. He was a scholar of scholars. He understood the, the, the law that Moses laid out forward and backwards, probably better than any of us sitting in this room. He understood it. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a man that was on a mission to destroy the church because he didn't feel like they added up to what he knew in his mind. But there was a day that was coming that his whole world was about to be flipped upside down. And the things that he knew in the law were going to come to life because the one that came and, and fulfilled everything was about to stand in front of him. Woo, Jesus, I am stirred about this. I'm telling you right now. We, we've been in this series where we've talked about a bunch of different things. And I feel like this story brings out every aspect that we've talked about. Focus on the mission. Guard the evidence, eyewitness, witness protection, caution, and take the stand. Those are the places we've been. Today we're going to talk about first responder, but we got to dig in some stuff before we get to that part, right? Um, I'm going to read a lot real quick. You guys good with that? How many brought your sword with you? How do you go to a battle without a sword? I get it. You got your phone, all that crazy stuff. Here it's glows. Yeah. <laughs> Glow in the dark. Anyway, I'm going to read a lot. I'm going to start in Acts chapter 9, starting with verse 1. I'm going to read out of my Bible. Is that okay? Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for the letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, anybody in here belong to the way? found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And it came about that as he journeyed, he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Somebody say, suddenly. suddenly. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise... And enter the city, and it shall be told to you what you must do. And the men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul got up from the ground, and through, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. Wow, we it's getting crazy. And he was there, and he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. <laughs> and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to a street called Straight. That cracks me up. He had to take a man that was so crooked to a place called Straight so that he could straighten up his vision. Woo, let's get there. Arise and go to a street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. 
But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, I love this, go for he is, he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, sorry, he just keeps taking me back. When I was sitting in a room and I was blind, whoo. And then a party just opened my eyes. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming. Oh, we've forgotten where we come from. Can't even see. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you are coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes. What if he just wanted to set your eyes free this morning? Are you okay with that? Or do we got to preach a whole word? Are you okay with the scales falling off your eyes this morning? I'm not Ananias, but I'm a messenger of the king that has sent me on this street called straight to tell you that you don't have to live in blindness anymore. He's the king of sight. He's the king of glory. He's the king that wants to set you free. I'm here to declare over you that scales are going to fall off your eyes. The blinders that people have put on you, the labels that they have put on you, the religion that they have put on you is going to come off of you today. And you're going to see in the spirit everything that God's intended for you to see. And when you look in the mirror, you will see exactly who you were created to be because the blinders are coming off of your eyes this morning. walked in that room and he said brother Saul the encounter that you had was from the one that has declared that he wants to use you how many of you sitting in this room this morning haven't felt qualified for a long time and it's because you've allowed the scales of the enemy to disqualify you 
He was religious. He understood the law. But God that day said, I've got a purpose for this man. I'm about to disrupt his mission because he thought he was on a right mission. But on this road, I'm going to flip him upside down and I'm going to show him what his real mission is. I'm here to tell you that God's here to disrupt you this morning and he's going to flip the mission you thought you were on upside down. My, my, my. I'm a mess because 24 years ago I was on a mission and he flipped my world upside down and he said, you know what? The world tells you you're disqualified but I don't need you to have a paper for you to be qualified. I don't need you to go to college for you to be qualified. I just need you to be filled with my spirit and to be resurrected from the death. Oh my God, I'm telling you, I feel something in this room that the spirit of God is just going to begin to snatch the blinders off of your eyes. And I'm telling you what's so crazy about this is this is exactly where the Holy Spirit took us Thursday night in the youth because I believe that the church has been veiled for too long. Jesus is the one that ripped the veil in too. So why do you keep allowing the world to veil you? Why? The enemy wants to keep you veiled because he knows that if you ever wake up to the reality and see who you really are, you will become the weapon that is unstoppable. Why do you think he did this to Saul? He wanted to keep him so bound up in his religion that he would go out and destroy the church. But on the road to Damascus, he was woke up. Whew. Crazy woke up. I do want to say that um, the straight street was a street that was from east to west. So when you walked up to straight street, <laughs> some of you bypass straight street. And you go on all these other roads, but he had an encounter in the road of Damascus, but he was blind to get to straight street. And some of you might be blind to get to straight street. <laughs> but it was from the east to the west. So it was a straight road all the way through into Jerusalem. And God spoke to me and he said, as far as the east is to the west, I have forgiven your sin. And see, straight street is east to west. And some of you don't understand as far as the east is to the west, he's already forgiven your sin. But you remind yourself of your sin. And you remind yourself of all these things that have taken place in your life. You allow things to remind you. Somebody will remind you of what you've been through. Maya. You can get to straight street. And as far as the east is to the west, you're forgiven. And until he got blind, that he could see finally that he was in the place where as far as the east is to the west, he's forgiven. And God spoke to me and he said, I want you to go to 9-11. I said, what? He said, no, I want you to go to 9-1-1. He said, I want you to get to 9-1-1 if you're going to be a first responder. 
Sometimes I jump before he tells me to go. First responders all in my spirit. And just like Pastor Brandon said, you got to wait and you got to wait on the spirit of God. Because you know what? I'll go kick a door in. But if he doesn't want me to kick that door in, I'm going to wait on him until that door opens so I can get to where I need to be and be that messenger that he wants me to be. So I went to Acts 9-11. Are you at a 911? Honest to God, are you at a 911? Not that the world is saying, oh, there's a 911. Everything's getting flipped upside down. And now this is homosexuality is okay. And this is okay. And oh, I'm probably going to get in trouble for that. But uh, I'm all good. I don't care. I'm not talking about 911 in the, out there. I'm talking about 911 in here. Do you have an urgency when you see ones that are dying and going to hell? You know they're dying and going to hell. And you don't say a word because you're dying and going to hell. Because you can't say anything to them because you're going through the same thing as them. Because you haven't laid down and let that knife, the sword of the spirit, do what he needs to do. And I thought about this, Pastor Joshua, when you just said it a while ago. Do you know that lamb laid down? He wasn't tied up and fighting over what God wanted to do. He laid down his life. He wasn't forced on the cross. He laid down. And some of you don't even know how to lay down. You've been wrestling with this long enough. How can you be a first responder? When you can't even respond to what God's trying to say to you in the first place. And the Lord told him, told Ananias, go. 911, go. To the house of Judas on Straight Street. He become a messenger. And all God said was go. Some of you just stand there going, man, are you sure? You sure you want me to do that? Man, I don't know about that, man. I mean, they're really going through this. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I can go. And some of you are so consumed in your own emotions and your own things. You're so tied up. You can't even be. You can't even respond. Do you ever walk up to somebody and you're talking to them and they're not even responding to you and you feel like, I'm just talking to you. Well, hello, how are you? And they're still on their phone. They're looking down at their phone and they're not listening to anything you're saying. And they're not responding. We have a world that's not responding. And we're going to have to be first responders of a 911 call. Amen. I was thinking about that too. Um, it's funny that Ananias, one of the first things that he said when Jesus began to tell him, I need you to go, there's a man named Saul. And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, he got He's like, I know about this guy. Yeah. You know, God never called you to know about somebody. He just called you to obey. So why are we constantly, I think I wrote it down. Why do we hesitate to obey when God tells us to go? and open up the eyes of the blind just because of their past. Why do we hesitate? We wanted somebody to come rescue us. We needed it, right? I'm grateful, overwhelmed by him rescuing me in a party. But are you willing to go to a party to rescue them? Maybe you don't want to because maybe you've, you've had some 
things to do with them in the past. And so I don't feel qualified to go talk to them, but you're more qualified than the next person. You know why? Because you've been there. You've been with them. You understand them. You understand their struggle. A lot of my friends, when I came out of that world, were kind of flipped upside down by the transformation that happened in my life. Can you imagine what people looked at, at Saul and was like, oh, my God. Here's a guy that we know was going after the church to kill every one of them. And now all of a sudden he's got his life right and he don't see the way he used to see anymore. And, and what's crazy is if you go down to like verse 20, he already goes out and begins to speak the gospel. In a moment he begins to speak the gospel. Your past does not reflect your future. You hear me? So stop trying to reflect somebody's past and keep them from actually coming into their future. You have to become the answer that they need, the first responder. I was digging in that a little bit. I think I wrote it down somewhere. I just don't remember where. Maybe I didn't. A first responder is a person with specialized training who is among the first to arrive and provide assistance at the scene of emergency. You have in you specialized training. You do. The problem is, is we don't see it. I've had to go through specialized training to be able to do the job that I do every day. But beyond that, I've had to go through specialized training to get up and preach the gospel every day. Because I don't just preach on Sunday. I don't just preach on Thursday. I get to preach the gospel every day. Watch this. Go to Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 18 with me real quick. This is out of the Passion Translation. And he said to them, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. Here we go. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. You have been equipped with specialized training by the Holy Spirit to go out and do the work of the kingdom. You are called to be a first responder. When you see somebody broken, you are to respond. When you see somebody with hell all over them, you are to respond. I could have easily gone that Sunday morning, given my life to Christ, and moved out of the place that I was in, and gone and lived with somebody that was saved like me. But instead, God called me to go back to that home and be a first responder to people that were broken and hurting. Saul, who became Paul, did not sit and wait. He got up and responded immediately. It said that he went into the synagogues and began to preach that Jesus is the resurrected Christ. He didn't wait. Isn't it funny that we feel like we have to wait because we don't feel qualified enough? I love the old saying. God didn't call the qualified. He qualified the called. 
right? Dude, I'm telling you right now, I was the least qualified when I first gave my life to Christ. But understand that he qualified me through his blood. He qualified me through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's how he qualified me. We have to become the first responders. Ananias didn't want to respond, but he did. We don't always want to respond, but we need to. It's not always easy. Oh, my goodness. The story is so incredible because you're <laughs> we take it for granted what God has done in our lives. These people were beaten for the cause of Christ. And we're offended if somebody says something wrong to us. And we'll shut down and act like we don't even know who God is and what he's called us to do. We let our minds wander. These people were pioneering church. When Jesus left, he said, go and wait. See, some people get stuck in the upper room about what happened with the tongues and forgot about the people outside the room. He was birthing the church. And it started to go in Jerusalem. It started right there, right in the heart of the city, right in the heart of where they were persecuting Jesus. In the same house he was in before he'd left to the garden. Right outside those walls. And we're so easily offended. We're so easily disrupted in our minds, thinking that somebody thinks this way or nobody's for me or this. And then we shut down and we question everything we've ever known about who God is. Yeah, we became first responders to the world and reacted to that. So we make our decisions based on that and then we're just done. I'm over it. I'm done. No, you're more than a conqueror. He can do it. You can get through it. It, it, it can be healed. You can be healed. But we give up. And these people were getting beat, literally being sought after. I'm blown away by the story because Saul is leaving Jerusalem, going over on the road to Damascus to go hunt down you guys. You guys. Because I'll say it one more time. Back then, the name Christian was a terrorist organization. What they thought. Christ-like. And the Pharisees and all the leaders and all the Sadducees, they all did not like it. It disrupted the system. Rome didn't like it. They, they were oppressing the whole place. And see, the disciples got caught up because they thought Jesus was going to deliver them from Rome. And he was like, I'm just going to deliver you from sin. And we're going to make an impact that's going to touch the world to right now as we're talking in this room online, online. Who would have thought online? Maybe in Revelations, if you read it, all coming together. But here we are in this moment, and he, he has letters, letters, names. He's got your address, knows your zip code. He's got your social security number. He's taken an entourage. He said he, he went with people. Listen, these weren't just people. 
Like, oh, a couple of my friends went, no, he's got the letters. How are they going to bind them and bring them back to Jerusalem? Unless he brings a security team. For real, he, he had to take a group of people to capture them and bring them back. We forget all this stuff. And he has all this, and this moment disrupts everything. Like his mindset is, I, I'm getting there, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to talk to so-and-so because, you know, we got sleepers in the city on the road to Damascus, and we're going to find out who these guys are that are doing church, calling on the name of Jesus, who died. And we're going to get them shut up because that ain't how we do things here. And it disrupted everything. That When he saw, he said that light blinded him. See, the glory will just... Will just veil everything where you can't even see you can't even see straight just one look we sing it your flesh will just fall apart from it just i can't i can't even fathom it well you said he couldn't even see straight but in all reality that's when he saw the most yeah was during that moment that he allowed himself to be blinded by the spirit of god when he allowed God to come in and have that control over his life was when he clearly saw. Because you can be walking around with sight and still not be able to see and have no vision. And I think that that was the key for what happened with Saul at that moment was he was walking around without true vision, without true purpose in his life. And the Lord began to speak to me as you guys were talking and he said that because you mentioned the armor of God and you know we put it on for a purpose and the word of God is the sword of the spirit you know that was all mentioned this morning and I believe that you know when we talk in in Psalms it says that you know I'll hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against God you know that means that you become a walking um, word of God that because it's in you it's hidden in you it's it's that it's the living breathing life of God that's inside of you and as I begin to think about that I thought about a sword and a sword is of no use if always kept in its sheath if a sword is always kept covered up it's of no use it doesn't have usefulness it, it just looks nice and it can be taken out every once in a while to look good you can act as if you look good before the enemy like you're a threat to the enemy but you're no threat at all because you are of usefulness no usefulness to what the spirit of god wants to do and god said to me he said your purpose is just that it's your purpose which keeps you covered and cut from being useful but when his purpose is uncovered, it fulfills his desire in your life to be used. And I think what happened was you have two different swords that were in this story. You have Saul that was meant to be a first responder in the fact of reaching out to people and going and spreading the gospel and becoming the church of God. You know what I'm saying? And, and really building things in, in the kingdom of God. But what happened was because he never really realized what his tool was to be used for, it was used improperly. And honestly, even though he was swinging his sword of the world, he was never uncovering the sword of the spirit that was in his life to be used. And then you have Ananias that is a different type of sword that has been serving God and loves God. But in, the, in that moment, he had to 
determine whether he was going to be uncovered or whether he was himself going to end up staying and witness protection because he was nervous about what he was getting ready to face. And I think in all of this, we all were meant to be that those tools and those weapons for Jesus Christ to be used. But when we determine, you know, our, where our vision comes from, you know, true vision comes from Jesus Christ. But if you allow yourself to stay um, looking the way that the world wants, you'll still be a blind man walking around whether or not you think you can see. And then here Ananias is spoke to and it says God came to him in a vision that what happened is that he was supposed to go and help Saul. And at that moment, Ananias could have chosen to be blinded himself to what was really taking place and turn and not be of any use or to take that sheath off that sword and to say that because I am God's and he is mine, I'm going to follow wherever he wants me to go and be used. And, and the purpose of it is, is that we were meant to respond. And no matter what it was, God created us to respond to him, however it's going to be. And you will choose to either turn a blind eye to the spirit or you will literally allow yourself to follow what God's saying. And it was not until uh, Saul had the scales come on his eyes that he clearly saw even in his blind state. And because of that, because he allowed the spirit of God to blind himself to the world of which he was living in. And I'm not talking that he was blinded to what was taking place in the world. He was blinded to what the world had purposed him for, what the world had said he was supposed to be for, what the world had tried to use him for, what the world had tried to declare he was. And he blinded himself to that through God's spirit. And what was so crazy is immediately, I don't know if the rest of you caught it, but right then he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He answered his own question because in reality, right at the minute when his sight was taken, he knew who the king over his life was supposed to be. I, I think that when he was Saul, he was a puppet. Yep. And the high priest caused him to be a puppet. He was still a first responder because he was going in and tearing up and he was a terrorist to the terrorist. He was the one that was coming to the first responding to the churches, flipping up, upside down. He was the whole, holding all the coats, watching Stephen being stoned to death. That was right before all that happened. He was holding all the coats, watching Stephen be martyred. And, but he was a first responder. See, you're being some of you are being puppeted. The government's being puppeted. Hmm. And we just kind of go with what, what we think that Miss Susie said that we need to do. Or we think because we, we, we are led by an emotional state instead of the spirit state. Even though Paul, he was very, very intelligent man. But he was still being puppeted. Because he had his letters. He had to go to where they said. They knew he was intelligent, Joshua. And so they thought, well, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this. You ever seen anybody puppeted? Have you ever been puppeted? And all of a sudden, you know that your hands move into something else and somebody's controlling you because you haven't surrendered to what you need to do with that sword. And so here we are with Saul being puppeted. And then all of a sudden, the, the ropes, the, the strands have been broken off of him. The scales have been coming off of him so he can be led and not puppeted. And I think even in this world, there's so much being puppeted right now. Everything's being moved by, by a puppet. God said that we won't have to worry about snakes. We are protected. Just like Pastor Joshua said. We are protected. We can walk upon that. And it won't come nigh our dwelling. 
We don't have to be puppeted like Paul was. He was literally, he surrendered to it, though. It's almost like, Mom, like a, uh, people get into this mode where, like, you almost have to, like, you ever seen somebody daze off, just, then you're like, snap out of it. And, and I think that happens spiritually where they just feel like nothing's going on for themselves. And you literally got to snap out of it. Snap out of it. I mean, let's be real about it. Saul, Saul was probably getting paid to do what he was doing. They were all about exchanging. And Saul was probably getting paid to bring back some of these so-called Christians that were starting churches in other places. Because that ain't, we, you come to the temple. You bring your sacrifice still to the temple. This was all after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What's crazy is Ananias, what's so crazy is it can give you hope in some ways. He has this moment. And yet in that moment, he tells him that he needs to go to Straight Street and then mentions the name Saul. And like he said, he, had, he has some questions real quick. Hold up. I know of this guy. I've seen what he's done. I heard about Stephen. I heard about all this and this. And yet what's so funny is God heard what he said and still told him to go. And it doesn't mean that you can't just have questions. He still wants you to be obedient. And sometimes when we talk to God, it's just like, you know, it's like we question him sometimes. Like, are you sure about that, God? You sure we should start a church in Terre Haute? Because there's enough churches and they, some stuck. They got that belt on too tight called Bible Belt. That's me for real back 10 years ago. I'm like, I don't want to start a church in Terre Haute. Here's church in Terre Haute. So, but, you know, you have these questions, but you still have to be obedient. I need to read something real quick and uh, start landing this thing. I don't know if I'm going to read this whole thing, but I'm going to fast forward to Acts 22. Before I get into that scripture, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set it up real fast. Acts 9, we just read the whole thing. Acts 22. So, so he goes back to Jerusalem. He uses his name Paul. It's a transformation in all areas. He goes to Jerusalem, then he leaves. He goes to Greece. He goes to all these places. Look at the, and, and what's funny is in the back of your Bible is a map like that, and it actually shows all his different places he's went. And it's, it's amazing. But you go to chapter 22, it's unreal. It's Paul's testimony to what just happened. Not just happened, but what had happened in what we've been talking about. So he ends up back in Jerusalem, he's talking about the Gentiles. If that's us, we're we're Gentiles. He's talking about what what the Lord has done, how the church is starting to grow and thrive, and how people are being reached. And then all of a sudden, some of these other Jewish people with different uh, and and I guess leaders in rank start getting crazy. They start rallying up and they start pushing people and saying, yeah, he, he's messing up the system. Look at these people from Greece and look at these people over here. They're up here in this. They shouldn't even be here. They don't, they don't have, they're not covered. See, when, when the blood of Jesus covers you, it covers you all. You see what I'm saying? You're bought with the price and, and, and you're covered. You're adopted in his kingdom. But when they step foot into the, the synagogue and to the places, they, they shouldn't have belonged there because in their eyes, it's only for these certain people, these certain priests, and these certain. And when Paul was bringing these other people in, it was disrupting everything to the point where they started to mob him 
Everybody started to beat him, kick him in his face, kick him in his ribs, starting to beat him and those guys. And they actually bound him. You got to read the story because I'm going to just get into a piece of it. They bound him, and then he's trying to go up these stairs, and the mob of people are following him, walking up these stairs. And he can't get up the stairs because he's hurting so bad he probably broke his leg or something. That they're literally carrying him up the stairs, and he's holding on, and he says, Wait, hold on, stop, stop. Can I, before you take me away, can I speak to these people? The same people that just beat the fool out of him. Can I speak to these people? Can I speak to them? I'm going to read a little bit of this. I think I'm going to start, uh, what did I say, four? And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison. He's saying, I did this. What you're doing to me right now, I did this to them. He's saying this. I, I had to fast forward just a little bit because he's about to give a testimony. I did this. What you're trying to do to me and you think it's right, I did it to those who called on the name of Jesus. Men and women. The high priest and who the counselor and the el elders can testify for this. Now he put them on blast. Now he's busting them out. I did this. Ask them. They paid me. I, so I hunted them down. Now he's got them all upset because now he's put everybody on blast. Look, y'all acting like you're holy, but behind the scenes you're doing something else. I did this. The high priest, they can account for it. For I received letters from them, our Jewish brothers in Damascus. And authorized me to bring followers of the way from, from there to Jerusalem. I received letters. I didn't write them. I received them from your pastors. <laughs> from your leaders. I received all the letters. And I was in charge to bring a group of people with me to bring back these so-called Christians that are starting churches around the places. So if it was like Remnant Church in Damascus, Paul's on his way. To bring them back in change to be punished. I was, I was on the road. Now listen, he is talking out loud. He ain't got a microphone, he ain't got a megaphone. He's talking in these big steps, going up. He is bleeding. He is hurting. They're holding him up. He cannot walk anymore. And he is saying this at the top of the steps with the mob of people all down below him. He's trying to have a conversation. As I was trying to approach Damascus about noon, he gets a little more in depth. If, read the word. Just don't read one section. Go forward and read. He's going to tell you a little more details in the word. I love the Bible. Changes everything. About noontime, <laughs> it's kind of high noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly came down and surrounded me. I fell on the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you've been persecuting. He's saying this. Now look, we're reading what happened. Now he's saying it to the people. The people with 
the people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voices speaking to me. You know, some those people could have left him real quick, too. And it said that they helped him up and kept going. Just would be neat to hear about those people, what happened to them. I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, get up, go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. So, Paul is saying this whole story. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by hand to Damascus. And a man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, well regarded by all the Jews in Damascus. So we didn't hear that. We just knew that it was him. We kind of understood who he was, but he was devoted. He was devoted to the law. He knew of all the law of Moses and the Ten Commandments and all that, but he wasn't trapped by the law. He knew it, but he knew that there was this man named Jesus who died on the cross for the sins of the world and was asking everybody to start making an impact. And they were starting church. They were having church. You know you, know you having church when somebody's got to send letters to shut you up. I'm going to send him all the way over there. They having church in Damascus. You know when the church is having church when it's starting to disrupt the city. Just saying. A man lived there. He was a godly man. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. In that very moment, I could see him. Then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one, and to hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. And I love this. What are you waiting for? Get up and get baptized. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you waiting for? Now you got to wake them up because they, they, they slumber and it's almost 1230. Say, what are you waiting for? Get up, get, up. Get, baptized. get baptized. See, in that moment, Ananias, listen, here's the craziest thing. I gotta get, I'll get back to Paul telling his testimony. We're going to get back. I'm going to rewind now to chapter 9. Ananias, at first, is stunned that Jesus wants to use him. But here's the craziest thing. Saul had a vision of Ananias helping heal him. Ananias is Talking to Jesus, and he's saying, Jesus is telling him, listen, Saul's already got the vision. He's already seen what's about to happen. You're going to be the, you're going to be the help for the miracle. You're going to tell me that I'm going to go set my enemy free? Your enemy already seen what I'm supposed to do? Are you kidding me? Saul already saw that this man Ananias was going to lay his hands on his eyeballs and it's going to be free. And he's got to be sitting in a room in the, in the darkness of just moaning and where are you at? Where is he? Is there, who's there? Is that you? Is that the, are you the one? Where are you at? And it shook him when he touched his face. And he baptized him. I'm, I'm talking like he gave his heart to the Lord. He baptized him with water. The man went out and started to preach. You're going to tell me I got to go to my enemy? Yeah, your enemy already knows you're coming, though. Good. And I've set him free. Good. 
Jesus. For you, <laughs> then he told me, God of our ancestors has chosen you, for you to be the witness to tell everyone in here, uh, be baptized. get up, get, be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Man, that's easy, right? Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance. Oh, now it's getting weird. You ever had a moment when you're just in worship? And you might see that up here sometimes where I got my eyes closed and I feel like I'm somewhere else. And God's just like downloading stuff. And I can't move. I felt like I was in a trance and I saw a vision of Jesus saying, hurry, leave Jerusalem for the people won't accept your testimony about me. This is him telling them in Jerusalem. That was the first time he went to Jerusalem and he left. He came back to Jerusalem. And now he's reminding them of what Christ already told him. But Lord, I argued, they certainly know, they certainly know that everything, that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And I was in complete agreement when your, when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept their coats and took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened to Paul and said words. Then they all began to shout, away with such a fellow. He isn't fit to live. They yelled, they threw off their coats, they tossed up handfuls of dust in the air. He's telling the story. He's trying to remind you. I'm going to stop there. You know what's neat? You go home and you read it. Read past it. Read before it. Read what happens. Read what happens when Paul's like, listen, you don't realize you're tying me up, but I am actually a Roman citizen, and so what you're doing is against the law anyway. And then it gets real shaky. But the point is, is he's trying to testify. Can you, can, you ain't got to stand up here and say, you know what? I need to have somebody come up here and testify. Look what the Lord has done. Can you testify in your beat down state? Can you testify in your beat up state? This man was beaten and carrying up the stairs, literally beaten, jacked up, and was testifying what God had done. And, and Ananias Ananias, a name, a man that was devout, that was strong, that, that followed after God, that heard the voice of the Lord. What if he didn't repeat? Oh, I don't know if that was the Lord because I, I know that uh, I, heard, I heard somebody came ahead and you know, they didn't have email or phones to kind of tell everybody what's going down. There's this man coming with some letters trying to pull people apart. You don't hear any more about the letters. All we hear about is the rest of the letters. It's called the New Testament. We don't hear any more about the letters. The letters were gone. He was going to that synagogue with one purpose, and he turned around and went straight in that synagogue with a different purpose. Christ changed my life. Look what he's done, and he can change yours too. And what's, what gets crazy is people that are, say, so-called Christians don't like that because they feel like they, oh, I'm a, I've been a Christian for 30 years. You ain't moved a muscle. What are you doing? You call yourself a Christian, but you don't act like one. You don't speak like one. You don't. Be a first responder like one. What are you doing? You say you're a Christian, but you ain't doing anything that has the name Christian involved in it. And so he, they were getting ticked off. But see how that happens today with people? God's trying to do something, and some people 
Ah, that's not right. And so-called Christians get all mad, and they, like I said, it was a long time ago, they're just waiting at the rapture train, just waiting on the Lord, just waiting on the Lord, not moving a muscle. I served the Lord 45 years. I'm just here waiting on the Lord. What'd you do? What'd you do for 45 years? What have you done? How many people have you led to the Lord? How many people have you helped? What are we doing? And Paul's like, listen, I was doing what you're doing to me. I beat them. I've imprisoned them. I killed them. And you're doing this to me, but he's changed my life. This man, Ananias, he was obedient. See, not everybody can be Paul, but everybody can be Ananias. Everybody. Everybody. I think it goes back to the beginning, the scales. I think the scales on our eyes, when we say that, we, he knew the word. He knew the word. He knew the law. He knew of Jesus. He heard of what he's done. He saw, he probably saw all the stuff, all the disruption. He saw, he knew. And yet, the scales on our eyes sometimes blinds us and forgets like why we really are here, why we have this purpose in life, why we exist, why our purpose to be a first responder. I preached a sermon a long time ago, and I used this big old rope, and I said, you know what, somebody pulled you out of the fire, but you have to realize eventually after you get the blanket off, you've got to grab the rope and tie it around you and get back in the fire and pull out your aunt and your uncle and your cousin and your friend and your neighbor and anybody else. You've got to be a first responder back in the place you came from. Now, it doesn't make sense to just sometimes jump straight back in when you're still struggling. Nobody wants you to go to the bar. Well, I've just been struggling. Nobody needs you at the bar if you're still drinking. You're no different than anybody else. You've got to set apart. But see, there's a time when God gets you strong enough where you hate sin and not just hate the effects of sin. And you can be that first responder and no matter what. I know there's people in this room that are some first responders. I know that there's people in this room that don't realize they're first responders, that they are first responders. I know that even online and whoever's watching, there's veils that the, the scales have to come off and to see it for what it really is. To see, because what the enemy's tried to do is try to put a blur vision of what God's really trying to do. And I'm telling you, like you said, it was instant. It was instant. I hope you understand that, like, what we're talking about, like, it, it comes to life because we're, like, one, you live it. Like, if you remember what God did when you first gave your heart to the Lord, it's unreal. And then you got to sit back and look. Have I, have I occasionally have scales over my eyes and just been numb to stuff and, and not really done anything? Have I lost that drive and that passion, that full, full devoted passion to him. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have it at one point and act like I don't have it at the, the next point, that, I've, that I got comfortable and complacent in it. Let's just be real. After 2020 and all the stuff that's happened with COVID, some people still ain't come to church because they got complacent sitting at home. That's the truth. And some people can't because of health. So I get that. I, I understand that. But we got to realize and wake up to some things and realize, oh, what are we doing? Because there's sometimes, like, I, 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 there's people we have to, when God calls us, go. Sometimes when he does it, there's a reason for it. What's that reason? I don't know. And sometimes some people sitting there like, well, I wish somebody would just come to me. 
But what if God is trying to do something to you without somebody coming to you? But he had to wait for three days. He did. He it, sat it, for three days. Ananias had to wait for three days. That doesn't mean you, if you go, your go might be your three days. But I want to read this real quick. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 5 and 6. Remember our message is not about us. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the master. All we are is messengers and forerunners from Jesus for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness and our lives filled with the light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ. All bright and beautiful. Light up the darkness and our lives filled, and I thought about the women's ministry, and our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ. And God said that all we are is messengers. We're errand runners. We're forerunners for Christ. John the Baptist was a forerunner for Christ, but he, he stayed in the wilderness and he cried out. Isn't it funny that Ananias was praying and, and, and Paul was having a vision and all at the same time the Holy Spirit was dealing with one one at one place and one at another and you know God might be dealing with one person at one place and, and God's dealing with you maybe to pray for them maybe to ask God about them and at the same time the Holy Spirit is dealing with you and he's dealing with the person that's blind just because that person's blind doesn't mean God ain't dealing with you as a messenger. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us. We're going to close. I'm going to read something to you real quick. I was just sharing with Pastor Brandon that here you have a man that was all about going and killing Christians. And here's the funny thing I was thinking about. Jesus makes a statement about the blind leading the blind. Caiaphas was the high priest. Caiaphas was the one that wanted to kill Jesus because he didn't like what he did. Caiaphas is also the one that released the letters to Saul so that he could go take out the Christians. See, the whole scheme was the enemy wanted to destroy the word of the Lord that was going out and, and destroy Jesus and his testimony. Paul gets radically transformed, and then he begins to write things like this in Philippians chapter 3. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once, once took credit for, I've now forsaken them and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past. Y'all better hear this because this is what we're talking about. Some of the scales that are over your eyes right now are the scales of your past and they are keeping you from knowing who he is. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. My passion is to be consumed with him and not cling to my own righteousness 
based in keeping the, keep, keeping the written law. My only righteousness will be his, based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually, I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus, to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. Watch this. I will be one with him in his sufferings and become like him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in the resurrection from the realm of death. Paul begins to write this. He said, man, everything else that I've ever done is rubbish to me anymore. It doesn't even mean anything. When we come to a place where he matters more than our old rubbish, then the blinders will come off of us and we will become the first responder we were intended to be. Well, before you end there, just a glimpse of the future. Of, of I was in 22, if you read past it. This moment where he's in Jerusalem. Listen, see, the enemy, what he'll try to do is something that was so good in a moment, he'll never forget the name Ananias ever again, as long as he lives. What that man did, how God used that man to help him. But see, what the enemy does is he'll, he'll like, well, I'll trip you up. I'll find a different Ananias. So he's in trouble. The high priest in charge of everybody in Jerusalem at the time he's given his testimony, his name is Ananias. Trying to kill his and destroy his life. Telling him to hit him in the mouth. He's like, you hit me in the mouth, God's going to strike you in the mouth. <laughs> it's, I mean, he was like going off like that. But this man, Ananias, this high priest, has been hunting him like he was hunting the other people. And see, the enemy will try to just disrupt and turn what, what God was trying to do and even use the same, like he's like that. He'll even use that same name to make it all jacked up where you don't, you forget what actually really happened. But he had to keep reminding himself when nobody else would of what he, what God was doing. That he, he was going to do great things. That his, he's got to lay down his fleshly desires. It, just read the word. It's, it's so powerful. Do me a favor, close your eyes. Is there anybody in this room this morning that would say, man, I am in that place where I've got scales over my eyes. I don't know who I really am. I don't know who I'm really supposed to be. I, I, I don't feel like a ref, uh, first responder. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel this. I don't feel that. God's going to take the I feels off of you this morning. He's going to take the blinders off of your eyes, and he's going to show you exactly what he's called you to do. Remember what he said to Saul. I am going to show you what you're about to do. I'm even going to show you the things you're going to suffer for my name. See, that's the scary part for some of us. What do you mean i got to suffer for his name? Well, there's some things you're going to go through that you got to suffer for his name, but understand that it's going to become a powerful testimony of who he is, and it's going to give glory back to him. So if you're here this morning, and you're like, man, Pastor Josh, i got blinders on my eyes, and there's some things that I need to get rid of. I want you to not stand in your seat anymore, but I want you to run up here to this altar right now because there is a spirit called the Spirit of God sitting right here right now waiting for you to come, and he's going to take the blinders off of your eyes. 
You got some people standing in front of you right now that want to lay hands on you because I believe that the same way Ananias laid hands on Saul, we can lay hands on you and then blinders can come off of you. Come on, if that's you.